Hey guys, welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven. That's my lovely sports-loving wife, Liberty. I mean, you could say I like one and like a half sports. Yes. It's... I don't know about love. <laughs> That's and taking it a bit far. Needless to say, this is a sports episode. <laughs> we are a married couple with different interests who are trying to get the other person to kind of like what we like. Maybe, if it's possible. Yeah. Speaking of that really weird intro, it's been apparent to some of our listeners that you like hockey a lot, and therefore we talk about a lot about hockey, and some people like it, and other people are like, I don't know much about hockey, but I'm learning things. Well, here's the thing. How am I supposed to know what's going on in sports I don't like? What am I supposed to do? It's kind of like my me and my opinions of the MLS is what you're comparing it to, I guess. I guess. It's just, <laughs> if I don't know these people, how am I going to follow them? This is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be teaching me. The power of persuasion. Right. Yes. But as always, we're going to start with the NHL anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, and because of that, we're changing it up today, but I guess not. No. All right. Never. So as of Saturday, October 17th, at the end of the day, there were 26 players who have filed for salary arbitration and hearings are set for October 21st through November 8th. And I had to do some research about this because I didn't understand what this was. Basically, it's a tool for restricted free agents and teams to use to come to an agreement on the salary. But most of the time what ends up happening is players and teams continue negotiating up till the date of the arbitration hearing and usually come to some sort of agreement before they have to present their case. But as of right now, 18 of the 26 who have filed are still having to negotiate or possibly do the arbitration. So six, no, eight players, because that's math have negotiated before they even got to their date for the arbitration. Yeah, so on free agency day, while they're still restricted free agents, teams can make what they call a qualifying offer, and it's up to that RFA to be like, yes, I like this, or no, I don't, and I'm going to look elsewhere, or hey, let's talk it out and maybe go to arbitration. So, like... And it usually ends up just being a handful of players who end up going to arbitration. Like last year, there were 40 that had put up a filing for it or whatever you call it. A motion. And then only six of those 40 actually had to go through the process of them presenting like their statistics and their evidence and the other team bringing up their side of the argument. And reading into it, it was actually really interesting to see what qualifies as evidence and what you can't bring to the conversation. Right. And, like, for me, I was seeing that you can't bring up, like, cap space. You can't talk about how much other players on the team are getting paid necessarily. You can talk about, like, comparable players for your position for other teams. But you can't do, like, a one-on-one with, like, We'll be like, this left on winger on our team got right. this much monies. Yeah. Like, especially if you're not a left winger, you can't bring that up. And, like, it's it's really interesting if you like hockey, I guess, to see what they're doing there. They also use salary arbitration for the MLB. But these are, like, the only two leagues that do this, which I thought was interesting. I think it's a pretty cool thing because it gives both the organization and a player 
the ability to kind of come together and figure it out. Whereas in the NFL, you see players just going like, yeah, I'm not going to play. And, right. and, and it's like, whoa, if they had arbitration, maybe this wouldn't be such an ugly thing. Right. And it's basically this third party who's completely neutral who is going, these are his numbers, here are some comparable players for other teams, and this is what you're going to pay him. And so, like, I thought that was really interesting, especially considering they factor in, like, a player's likability or marketability. Like, Sidney Crosby, for example, is not a player you want to go to arbitration with because so many people who follow your team love him. You can't just... Take well, him to arbitration and expect not to get wrung out. And on the likability scale, like, I have a lot of people that I deal with on a day-in-day basis. If you asked them if they knew any hockey players, I guarantee you they're either going to say Alex Ovechkin or Sidney Crosby. Right. And that's, like, just the norm. So, you know, it's not it's not a shocker by any means. Maybe Taves. Yeah. And, and maybe, like, one guy on a team that they're locally in. Like, right. I could see some people being like, yeah, I know Tyler Sagan or Jamie Benn, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> about not him. otherwise. Right. Yeah. So we'll see as the time gets closer who actually has to go to arbitration and who gets it done beforehand. Yeah. Otherwise, more or less, this week in the NHL is like signings and then very little news. Right. So Joe Thornton, who has played 15 seasons with the San Jose Sharks, just signed a one-year $700,000 contract with the Toronto Maple Leafs, of all people. And I said Leafs, not Leafs. Because I have a thing about that. (laughs) He did this on Friday. And, you know, he's getting up there in age. So I can kind of understand him having to go somewhere else to still make a decent amount of money. He's 41 years old playing center. Like, he doesn't have a lot of years left. Yeah. I don't know. Like, he he seems to always be a stable centerpiece to an organization. He was drafted in the 90s. The late 90s. But his face-off percentage is still some of the best face-off percentage in the NHL. So, like, if you're looking for a guy that can be put in the middle, it's a big body who likes to get in front of a goalie and can really bring a lot of experience to the team, which is what he is, I would have valued him at more than $700,000. But here's the dilemma. So, for years and years and years, whenever his contract was expiring, there were rumors that he was going to go to Toronto because he's always been a fan of the idea of playing for the Leafs. Why? If I remember correctly, just from that area, but I'm oh, going to okay. double check right now. I was going to say, if he's not from there, that makes no sense. Because the Leaves haven't been a team that really get there. You know, they're always sort of spinning their wheels. Yeah, born in St. Thomas, Ontario, which is a suburb of Toronto. Okay. So, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense that as a child growing up, he probably wanted to play for the Maple Leafs, and so it kind of makes sense. I think it's probably something between that and how much money he can wring out of other organizations that brought him to playing for the Maple Leafs. Yeah, that makes a little bit of sense. Obviously, he played with the Bruins for a number of years, and then with San Jose, and now Toronto, to kind of cap off his career, play for the home team that he grew I, up watching. I think he would probably be okay with playing a year, a couple of years with Toronto and retiring because I don't think he has more than three years left right I don't think that's possible and if we're going to talk about oldies but goodies you got Patrick Marlowe going back to San Jose after yeah. playing a very short period of time Poor in guy. Pittsburgh God 
And and the sad thing is, like, it was a move clearly for him to try to get that Stanley Cup at the very end. And then we didn't even make it into the And then you round, guys choked bigger than anybody's choked going into the playoffs, so. Do we want to go there right now? It, Do you want to be saying this to me? You guys literally fell apart at the end of the season. And literally. You, yeah, your, your players were falling apart, literally. <laughs> a few guys did have surgery that <laughs> next week. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> So, it's just a bummer for him. Obviously, he was trying to make that move for a reason to try to win a Stanley Cup, and he didn't get that opportunity, albeit COVID threw everything off for the the, the entire I, season. So. I would not blame my team for what happened, per se, just like I wouldn't blame most teams for how everything shook out this year. Right. I'm kind of glad he's going back to San Jose, not because I think he's old or he can't do it or whatever, but I think that's where he was happy for so long, and well, I feel like that's where his family really wants to be. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think the big thing for him is just it's going to be cool to retire with an organization that literally has set him and his family up for the rest of their lives, you know. So I feel like it's it's more of a, a comfort thing, like you're kind of saying a little bit. But at the same time, players are always trying to retire for the teams they played the longest for, mm-hmm. you know. I would see that with the Blackhawks at some point, Hills is going to sign a you know, like a one day or two day contract to do some things and then he'll retire accordingly as a Blackhawk. And it's not an uncommon thing in sports. You see it happen pretty much in all major sports where they end up back in their organization. There we talk about LeBron James drafted by Cleveland and then came back around and won a a couple championships with them and then just left. So, you know, it's 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 a common thing, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say. And speaking of the Pittsburgh Penguins, which we kind of were, Cody Cece has agreed to terms on a one-year $1.25 million contract with our team as of Saturday. He's 26 years old, defenseman, and I put a note of who the F is even on my team anymore. Every year around, you know, this time in the off-season, since technically we're in an off-season, I always feel like I have to go back through the roster and be like, okay, who are you? Okay, we just got you. That's why Welcome I don't know your to name. Welcome to the team. Yeah. And so, like, I have to, like, read through the roster before the first game so I know who's here. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. But also tied to Toronto, no less. It seems like Toronto, San Jose, and the Penguins are just, like, we all like each other's players. Yeah. Um, we like to shuffle everybody around. Well, you guys were also part of the Kapanen trade earlier this year. So, yeah. you know, it's... And there's rumors that Kapanen and Crosby are going to end up on the same line this With Getzel as well, yeah. Terrifying. Yeah, that's a whole lot of offense in one lineup. But CeCe, I think, is going to be a good sign for you. He wasn't one of their top defensemen, but... He definitely was up and down between the second and third line D pairs, but it wasn't because of his quality. It's just that Toronto actually had really good defensemen last year. So yeah, I think he's going to be a solid second line guy for you on defense, which I think is a good thing. Well, as long as we have Latang, he's pretty much the first position on the first line for our defensemen. So you could switch it up. I wouldn't even mind seeing Latang and Cece uh, on the same line. Right. To be completely honest, I think that would be good. Well, and that's what we've often done with our defensive side of things is we basically put Latang on the first line and just play in whoever's doing well with him. I feel like some players over the years might take a little offense from that statement that you're stating, like Justin Schultz possibly who was well, on his line multiple I'm, times throughout his career. I'm just saying, like Latang is the guy who's been there the longest, so like he's sort of our piece that we work everything around. Right. Not to say he's better than the other players, but like he's just our key foundational piece. Gotcha. But speaking of foundational 
pieces, maybe? I don't know. So, Fleury has come out and said that he expects to be the backup goalie for Robin Leonard with the Vegas Golden Knights in the next season. And there's this really sad quote from him that I want to read in full because everyone should feel this depressed. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's really messed up. I just love Fleury and it makes me sad that he feels this way. So I'm just going to read it. He said, I don't have a lot of years left ahead of me. I know Leonard is their goalie. They placed their trust in Leonard. I don't think I'll be able to regain the starter job, but I will nevertheless compete to win it back. I don't know that that's depressing. I think like he realizes that well, he realizes that he's not the goalie that he's been performance-wise as well too that Leonard has just over the last two seasons become the guy again. Like he was that at one point in time for the Senators and then they just kept trading him to donkey teams and he was just kind of like a Hugh Dobin where it was just like Ends up in front of a crappy defense, you know, and what do you expect to happen? I think part of the reason that I think this is so sad is his word choice. He's their goalie. They blah, blah, blah. So it's more like a them against me sort of mentality that he has. Like, he doesn't feel like he's part of the team anymore. And that makes me really sad because he doesn't deserve to feel that way. I love Flower. And so it makes me real sad. Yeah. And... Originally, it was questionable if he would even stay with Vegas after Leonard signed because he got a big contract and now they're paying a lot for two goalies. I wouldn't have said that was the trigger point. I think the one that we're going to talk about next with the Golden Knights is probably the one that would have triggered a flurry trade for me, at least, just based on the dollar amounts that were moved. But yeah, I can understand it. Either way, he was... He felt like he was on the chopping block, to say the least. But the GM came out on October 12th and said they weren't going to trade Fleury. So I think he did that to sort of get the rumors down a little bit. Yeah. But on top of that, Leonard had shoulder surgery this week. So there's a chance if his rehab doesn't go perfectly, maybe Fleury could get the start at the beginning of the season. Right. But Leonard is still expected to start still expected to come back for the next season because that's not starting until January 1st. So he's got about two and a half months yeah, of rehabbing it. Good old expected start date from the NHL just going, we want to start then. Well, we'll see. Yeah. But as we were discussing just a moment ago about big signings for the Golden Knights, this is not where I expected this player to go. It was, I, I don't think he was on most places lists be like, hey, this is where Alex Petrangelo is going to end up with the Golden Knights. Only because they were already in a cap situation before signing Petrangelo. And Petrangelo taking up $61.6 million for seven years. Whew. That's, we're almost on like NFL contract size right there. Like that it's is starting to get big, crazy. Yeah. And so I just I didn't expect of all the teams that would do this, it would be them. I definitely thought there would be some other teams out there that are like, hey, you know what, we just really need a big body defenseman that has leadership capabilities. And maybe they would go after him. But yeah, that's a lot of money. And technically right now, as it sits, Vegas is over cap. So they're going to have to move some pieces around still. Right, yeah. And that's, that's why even after their GM is like, we weren't going to trade you, Fleury, it's like, well, they might have to. Like, I don't think they will. Not now that he's come out and said that. Right. It'd be it would bad, be bad PR press. Yeah, at for a sure. minimum. But they're going to have to move somebody somewhere in order to fix this cap space issue that they have currently. But I do have another long, long list of signings. I don't know if you have anything more nope. than that. No? 
Tell me who's been signed. So the Blues uh, signed longtime L.A. Kings Kyle Clifford to a two-year, $2 million contract. He played last season with Toronto, but wasn't really like part of their push for the playoffs by any means. He, he was there. He was present. But Kyle Clifford's been one of the big pieces for the Kings when they had their run in the early 2010s era of the NHL playoffs and Stanley Cup runs that they had. The Sabres signed Taylor Hall to one-year $8 million contract. I think that's another solid piece for the Sabres to put a little more offense up in front of themselves. So again, I, I don't think the Sabres are going to be by any means fixed now with the couple moves they made this offseason, but I think they might be a little bit more relevant to conversations. I'll believe that when I see it. The Canadians signed forward Tyler Toffoli to a four-year, $17 million contract. The Avs re-signed defenseman Ryan Graves to a three-year, $9.5 million contract. Uh, Obviously, the Sharks signed Patrick Marlowe to a one-year, $700,000 contract. Uh, The Canadians also signed Brendan Gallagher to a six-year, $39 million contract. And they also signed goalie Jake Allen to a two-year, $5.75 million contract. What's crazy is that Jake Allen signing is clearly a backup position to Carey Price, yeah. who the Canadians still have as their starting goalie. And that's a pretty fat payday for a backup goalie. So good for Jake Allen. Uh, also had some successful runs with the Blues over the years. So I'm not shocked to see him signed by somebody. Rangers re-sign the goalie Alexander Gorgiev. I probably butchered that it's very russian and sorry but he was part of the two-headed goalie monster situation that forced lundquist out of new york so they have two phenomenal goalies they're both signed now to multiple year contracts so it's going to be weird seeing them battle that out but he was two years at 4.85 million so pretty healthy contract for him and uh, they also re-signed their one of their star defensemen tony d'angelo to a two-year 9.6 million dollar contract and obviously, you had your Maple Leaf signing of Joe Thornton and Cody Cece for the defenseman. But I do have one last piece of news for the NHL. And it's actually the last. I swear, guys, I'm not leading you on to trag on about the NHL. Senator's owner, Eugene Melnick, stated this week that, I truly believe the team that we built during this offseason are going to take us to a Stanley Cup within the next four years. Well, we were talking about how they were pulling a lot of guys in. But, yeah. Well, one of their two first-round picks is going to be requiring a surgery that's going to keep him out for about the first quarter of the season. So they knew when they drafted him that that was a possibility that he was going to have to have that surgery. Was this the guy who had, like, supposedly three concussions in the same season? No, it was Stetzel. I don't know who he was. Stetzman? Stetzel. The German. No, the German was drafted by my team. I have no idea what's happening anymore. Anyways, that player... And this is the sport I like. Yeah. And this particular player injured himself during the season last season. They didn't know that it was as serious as it is, so out of precaution, they're having the surgery just to make sure it doesn't get worse. They're expecting him to either recover before the season starts or about quarter of the way through at the absolute worst, so chances are he'll be on the ice as well. Obviously, though, the team did solidify its goalie situation. The Senators have always been all over the place since Robin Leonard's prime time when he was in Ottawa. So it's interesting to see Murray starting somewhere else and being like the cornerstone of that organization. They also have some pretty young talent that is capable of playing like Brady to Chuck. And so it, it's going to be interesting. I'm excited to see what ends up happening for them. They're kind of reminding me like Arizona did last year where they made all the right moves in the offseason. And it's like things are going to happen. So we'll, we'll see. 
I don't think you should be promising your fans anything. Within four years, if he doesn't end up doing it, I feel like that's uh, not going to be pretty for the ownership, to say the least. And I was going to go over Blackhawks signing, but there really wasn't that exciting things that happened. So we'll just move along. What do you have next in sports? So next up in the sports world, we've got the NFL, which was hard for me to look up because it seemed like everything was about COVID. You're not wrong. And I feel like this league is like on the brink of possibly not making it to the end of the season. So the dilemma that they're having right now, and I don't know if all the teams are using these particular tests, there's a lot of false positives going around right now. So people are getting tested again and then they're negative and then they test again and they're negative. So it's just a lot of these teams are taking the precautions, which is good. So like when they get even a false positive, they're closing down their camps and, you know, their buildings from staff and players and doing digital based like, hey, this is the videos that you would be watching if you were here with everybody else. Right. So it's weird. There, There were a lot of teams this week that, closed down their training facilities it started with minnesota and tennessee and then it just went everywhere it seemed it was almost impossible to keep tabs on everyone so but it seems like all the games for this week are remaining as scheduled it seems like all the teams who are meant to play each other are gonna play each other for week six yeah it ended up being only like four players actually testing positive across the entire nfl this week it's just a lot of false positives scared some people. It made it seem a lot worse. And Better safe than sorry, because right. then you'd actually have to deal with actual people getting everyone sick. Right, and and I, I think the organizations themselves handled the situations as well as they could and accordingly had people retested just out of precaution, and it's working out to where there's a lot less people than originally reported, which is good. But I agree with you, the wheels are off to some extent, and... If you can't even control all these false positives, how are you going to control the real positives? Yeah. You know. It seems like the New England Patriots are one of the teams that was hit hardest with this situation because they put their running back, a guard, and defensive end on the reserve COVID list this week. Yeah. Again, most of them are asymptomatic, so the fact that they got the two positive tests, being able to take them out of the situation really quickly and contact trace accordingly... Um, is good. They seem to be the ones that are the hardest hit, but also the ones that seem to be the most repaired, which I think is a good thing, you know. Right, right. They're learning from their mistakes, whereas a lot of teams right now aren't. Yeah. So, yeah, it it was an interesting week, to say the least. There were some hirings and firings this week as well. Le'Veon Bell was released from the New York Jets on Sunday of last week. Oh, okay. There were a lot of rumors as to where he was going to end up, including... In Chicago at one point in time, and I'm glad we didn't touch that one because he's not as bad as Antonio Brown, but it's he's toxic in the locker room, to say the least, a little bit. So it's just like, I'm is, glad we stayed away from that one. Is it something he does or says? or like, I think it's just kind of like the cockiness and attitude he brings to the team and the, the locker room. Like, it's not healthy. It's not the healthy kind of like... We're the best. It's more like, I'm the best, screw the rest of you guys, is type mm-hmm. of attitude that he brings to it. Albeit, he was playing for the Jets, and he's probably not wrong, but it's like, that's still something you don't say, dude. Like, you don't you don't brag and brag and brag about how great you are. And realistically, you've been playing mediocre by even your standards of quality. Because just a few years ago, he led the NFL in rushing. So, like, he is a quality running back. And in response that to that season... Pittsburgh franchise tagged him 
and he showed up for the minimal amount of games and practices that he had to per the requirement of the franchise tag. And then turned out to still almost be the leading rusher in the NFL after sitting out so many games, which, you know, kind of builds an air of confidence, I guess. But after that season, he left for the Jets and then has just kind of played mediocre. But I think that's what we call the Jets effect. You know, if you're a player on the Jets, you're probably not doing much of anything right. It's almost like the Browns were a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. You're just like, uh, I, I'm on the Jets. <laughs> But he signed with the Kansas City Chiefs of all teams that already had a ridiculous powerhouse of an offense led by Mahomes and his leading receiver group to a $1.69 million contract for this season. So The Titans also traded linebacker Kamale Correa to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, the Titans received a sixth-round pick. The Jaguars received Correa and seventh-round pick. He was healthy scratched in the last game against the Bills and then just started losing his mind about it, basically, on Twitter, on Instagram. I don't get why players do this. Yep. You're healthy scratched for a reason. It's not like they just think you have cooties or something. Yeah. And the Titans were like, okay, cool, bye, Felicia. You know, just, like, sent him off. Like, they, he requested a trade, and they were like, cool, we'll oblige you. Bye, we don't need you. The Titans went out and signed two... I would say top tier linebackers this off season, and that's why he got healthy scratched. It's like, dude, get over it. There's there's better players than you here right now. Like, yeah, step um, up your game if you want to play. Exactly, but yeah, he was pretty irate about the situation, and I guess he's happy he got traded. But I don't think he was quite content with the team he got sent to. The Jaguars are another team where it's just like they're either up or they're way, 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 way down in quality of play. So, and then this week as well, starting off with their worst record in history, the. Falcons fired both their head coach and GM this week after an 0-5 start. So, yeah, joining, well. the, joining the likes of the Houston Texans and just firing everybody off. What other to, choice do they have, man? Your own five. Right. The coach as a head coach hasn't really had the best record. Uh, he's been there, I believe, four or five seasons. So we shouldn't be shocked that he's no longer with us as a career head coach. Also this week, the NFL announces they will not be hosting a Pro Bowl game at the end of the 2020 season. They will come up with some kind of creative competition digital event that will take up the time slot that they're required to fill for the television broadcasting time. I don't know what it's going to be. Nobody knows what it's going to be, but they're not doing the Pro Bowl. Okay. The event is usually for fans to get up-close opportunities at, like, silly events and competitions with but players. But due to COVID, the land of COVID. Yeah. No. And in the time of COVID, it's definitely not a thing that's going to happen. Needless to say, I'm not shocked. It is what it is, I guess. The NFL also announced this week that the 2025 Super Bowl will not be hosted in uh, New Orleans because it is going to be at the same time as Mardi Gras. Therefore, in turn... They know this so many years in advance? Well, dates or calendars, it's not that I, complicated. I understand that, but like, yes. you already know where you're going to be playing five years from now? Correct. Four years from now? That's yes. crazy. Uh, it gives basically the organizations time to upgrade their stadiums to be prepared for those events. Dumb. Mm, sure. Why uh, do they have to upgrade... Because the Superdome is an old stadium. Not the oldest, but it is an older stadium. As a whole, why do teams have to upgrade to hold the Super Bowl? Because it's a requirement and standard of excellence that fans expect when they come to the Super Bowl. Why? Why can't they just have the stadium? You're like a little child, like, why, Mom? (laughs) Tell me why. No, I just don't get it. I literally don't get why they have to do that. It's just a stupid one-game event. It's not just a stupid one-game event. If you've ever been in a city where they've hosted a Super Bowl, which clearly you have not, and I have, 
They hosted one at Qualcomm when I was a child. There is a whole slew of events that go on for a week and a half prior to the actual Super Bowl itself. Events just like the Pro Bowl where you can get close to players and get autographs and partake in silly drills that exist for kids to partake in as well. So there's a whole list of things that go on. They just didn't want the drunken disorderliness of Mardi Gras to be involved with the Super Bowl as well. Well, I get that. Having to not do the two at the same time makes sense. So they're switching it around. They're going to be doing the 2024 instead of 2025 Super Bowl. So there's that. Also this week, Broncos' Melvin Gordon was cited last Tuesday for driving under the influence. Only a week after, he was recently charged for speeding in the range of 25 to 39 miles per hour over the speed limit. While drunk? No, that time he wasn't drunk. He was just driving excessively fast. You know a little something about that. Sure. (laughs) Um, We won't go into that. But Melvin Gordon, previously to the Broncos, was the, the starting running back for the Chargers where he was drafted. So it just hit a little close to home as kind of a Chargers fan, I guess, just because I you know, grew up in San Diego. So it was a little weird to see that happen, obviously. But that's literally all the NFL news I have. I'm, that's all the exciting things. I don't know what you want to go on to next. Well, we could move on to the MLB because they are almost in the final round of the playoffs, which are called World Series. There you go. There you, <laughs> you go. got it. I Proud got there. I got there. Yeah. So, as of last night, when I was writing my notes, one series was still happening, and one was done for the day. So, at the time I was writing it, they were both tied 3-3 in their series, but someone won last night. Yes. So, Game 7 was last night between the Rays and the Astros, and as everybody in the United States took the deep sigh of, ha, the Astros are out of the playoffs now, so we don't have to watch the Astros be in the playoffs any longer, which is fantastic. Yeah. The Tampa Bay Devil Rays are in the World Series again, and it's exciting to see them there. Tonight is Game 7 between the Dodgers and the Braves. I'm kind of shocked this one has gone to Game 7 as well, because both these series started off with, like, a bang. One team took the heavy predominant lead in the series, and then they fell apart, more or less. Okay. So... So who were we expecting to win? The Dodgers were the ones expecting to win that series with ease over the Braves. Then I'm going to root for the Braves. Well, they play tonight, so... uh, We'll find out. Exactly. The game starts at 7.15 p.m. Central Standard Time, so if you are anywhere else, sorry. But it won't matter anyways because the podcast will be up on Tuesday, which by then we'll know what happens. So go back in time yes. after you listen to this and then you can watch the game doing your own calculation from Central Standard Time. Right. It could be either the Braves or the Dodgers playing the Rays in Texas. Yeah, here in Arlington at the new Globe Life Field. Yes. Because you have to upgrade to host the World Series. No, you don't. <laughs> Conveniently, it's just timing. Uh, and they probably did choose this location, not only because of the lack of strictness on COVID things here in Texas, but also that the stadium is literally brand new and there's been like five baseball games played in it at this point, more or less, like barely any. I'm not shocked that they chose this facility. As well, too, there's a lot of hotels around that area, as we know, because in Arlington, you have the Cowboys Stadium, you have the stadium for the Rangers, uh, a sports complex, Texas Live. You also have in that area... The facilities for the state fair, so like there's 
there's hotels everywhere around there. So it's not shocking that that's where they chose to uh, do their bubble playoffs at. But there was a funny thing to come out of the NLCS in Game 5. We had Will Smith facing off against relief pitcher Will Smith. And all I could think was, I wonder if Will Smith is watching Will Smith bat against Will Smith. Maybe. It's the first time in MLB playoff history that this has ever occurred where somebody has had the same name facing off against a pitcher with the same name. Uh, It's happened before in the MLB, but not in the playoffs before. Oh, okay. The irony of it was Will Smith, the relief pitcher, was brought in at the beginning of the inning with Will Smith on deck. And I, I really wish I could have been watching the game because it's like everybody knew it was coming. You know, unless the Dodgers decided it was going to be a better idea to pitch hit for Will Smith. Like, it, it, it was bound to happen at that yeah. point. The Dodgers catcher got the better end of the faceoff. Uh, he hit a three-run home run to take the lead in the game. It was a, both a victory for Will Smith and... A defeat for a Will defeat Smith. A defeat for Will Smith. All in one go. Also this week, Padres outfielder Tommy Pham was stabbed in downtown San Diego outside of an establishment, which I imagine was a bar, but they're probably trying to make it seem like a better experience for where the pitcher was coming from. Two people were fighting in front of his very expensive, nice car and were leaning up against it, and he was trying to break up the fight and in the process was stabbed by one of the people that was fighting. Oh, wow. UCSD Medical Center, the hospital that we went to when we were in San Diego, pretty regularly was where our doctors were was where he went to be treated and was taken care of. So kind of small worldy to kind of be like, yeah, we went to that facility. Right. Yeah. Ended up only requiring a minor surgery and stitches. So he wasn't that badly injured. So. I mean, you can't be lightly stabbed. You're either stabbed or you're not. <laughs> right. Right. Um, he is expected to be healthy and return before spring training by a long shot. So good news, I guess. Yeah. If, if you have to get stabbed, it's good that you're going to be fine. I don't know. How else to put that in a positive light? If you're going to be stabbed, at least you didn't hit a vital organ. Yes. Also this week, the MLB announced the 2021 draft order. I don't know if you wrote that down or saw that. Based on the look on your face, you didn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, the first pick will be the Pittsburgh Pirates. So Pittsburgh team gets the first pick. Okay. The Texas Rangers will have the second pick. The Detroit Tigers will take third. Red Sox will be picking fourth, the Orioles in fifth, Diamondbacks in the sixth pick, the Royals in the seventh, the Rockies in the eighth, and the Angels in the ninth, and the Mets in the tenth. I could have gone down the whole list, but I always try to keep it to the top ten because otherwise we're here forever. Yeah. When Um, is this happening? The draft uh, will be moved from June of next year to July of 2021. They always do it right in the middle of the season, which I've always thought was kind of strange. That's weird. But it's regular for the MLB. Doesn't make it not weird. Right. Also this week, the White Sox and Rick Renteria decided to part ways, which I thought was kind of shocking considering it the first time since 2013 that the White Sox have been in the playoffs and he led them there. Their argument is kind of as of the Caps argument with their previous head coach. We have the talent. We just need a better coach to get us there more or less again. That sucks. Yeah. So we were in discussion this week with Tony LaRusso. We had to legally get permission from the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Boy, that's a mouthful. To get the permissions to speak with LaRusso because he's still technically under contract just because the season hasn't 
ended, but they were willing to allow us to have those discussions. So it sounds like LaRusso will maybe be parting ways and possibly coming to Chicago to coach, which I think would be a good addition as a head coach. So Sidebar real yeah. quick. Are they really called that? Yes. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? They've been the California Angels, the Anaheim Angels, the Los Angeles Angels, and the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Why not just stick with the Anaheim Angels? It fits better. And that's where they play. Go figure. Why all of them? Yeah. Never mind. Sports are stupid. Moving on. <laughs> I would disagree with you, but the, the naming rights of the Angels that is stupid. That proves my point. Yes. That alone proves my point. It could be just like the Phoenix Coyotes and Arizona Coyotes, I guess. They are now the Arizona Coyotes, but yeah. that has to do with rebranding in order to get more money because they had a financial problem. Same thing in Anaheim. Because rebranding something, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, really helps bring in all your dollars. Yep. Just all the it dollars. It brings in the LA fans, I think was the point behind it. Their argument anyways. Anaheim and LA are like on top of each other almost. They're like right there. But the traffic is a nightmare between the two. <laughs> yeah. Okay. On to the next subject. The only thing I have about the MLB, I don't know if you already said, the World Series is starting on the 20th? I didn't announce the dates. So it's going to be the 20th through the 28th, if necessary. So it looks like they're playing in two-game bursts. So they'll play one day in the next, have a day off, one day in the next, and have one day off. Kind of makes sense. But we'll see who plays whom. Yeah, well, the Rays are playing somebody. We know that at this point. We'll see whom the Rays are playing. Yeah. That was my last bit for the MLB. Perfect. So do you want to move on to the NBA? Sure. I'll let you lead the way. Okay. So the Clippers signed Tyron Liu as their next head coach and Chauncey Billups as his assistant coach. Tyron Liu was the head coach of the Cavaliers when LeBron was there last and won a NBA Finals series. So I'm not shocked to see him move to the Clippers. I was a little weirded out that Chauncey Billups is signing to be an assistant coach, but I've heard that he's been assistant coaching, so I shouldn't have been that shocked. But it just seems like a weird placement. It is what it is. Also this week, uh, Rockets GM Daryl Murray steps down after 14 years in role. Says he'll stay through in the interim period in hiring the new head coach, but then after that will be stepping away for family reasons. I have it here that he's going to stay through until November 1st. And that the VP of Basketball Operations, Raphael Stone, is going to be promoted to GM. Gotcha. So you have a from little more latest, than me from my, my news then. From the latest I read. Gotcha. And then obviously the big news this week in the NBA is, ladies and gentlemen, do you want to announce it? The Lakers won the championship. Man, that was the most excitement I had ever hoped for in my entire life. I don't know why I was the one announcing it. I don't even like the sport. Anyways, to mask and ignore what my wife's reaction was, the LA Lakers win the NBA championship. That's you could have had that kind of pizzazz in your voice, you know. You've been fine. Go Lakers! It's the 17th championship in the organization history, tying the Boston Celtics. There's a lot of people out there that are NBA fans that say, did they really tie it? Because at one point, the LA Lakers were not in LA. During their championship collections, they were in Minnesota. So they are the same organization. It never was sold. It was just moved. So I would I say like yes. I feel like you're the same team the whole way. Right. You're the same organization. Agreed. Uh, LeBron ends up winning his fourth NBA Finals MVP award as well. 
he was literally quoted, maybe finally now I'll get my respect. And it's like, dude, we all gave you respect already, okay? Like, you just understand that Jordan is Jordan. Get over yourself. Like, we respect you. I hate when people do that. Like, he's such an entitled, privileged... I can't say those words, I'm thinking. And it's just like, you're making a lot of money. Everyone knows that you're good at your job, obviously. Because otherwise they wouldn't be paying you that much. Take the money, sit down, shut up. Like, I'm sorry. All this whining gets on my nerves. Right. I would agree with you on that one. I ended up winning the last game 106-93 to 93 over the Heat. At one point at halftime, they had a 28-point lead. Pretty impressive performance by the Lakers to close it all out in Game 6. Yeah. That's all the NBA news I have. Well, I've got it here. It says that the LA Lakers player Anthony Davis intends to stay with the Lakers once free agency opens. Yeah, so he was once quoted that he was going to see what free agency would bring him, but then he was like, nah, I'm probably just going to stay. Yeah, but they are going to have to renegotiate a contract for him based on what I read. Correct. Without a doubt. He deserves more money. I don't know that he's going to get it. We'll see what happens. Well, here's the thing. Anyone who wants to stay with the Lakers who has to negotiate a contract is going to go, more money? Yeah, you owe me won. more money? Yeah. So I don't see that all of them can get a boost like that. Right. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that's going to end up working out. But I don't know how basketball caps work. It's weird. So they can pay a luxury tax to keep players over the the cap, but... So you'll get penalized for using more money by paying more money? Yep, pretty much. Sports are stupid. Rich sports are stupid. (laughs) Well, for the MLS, I have one bit of news. Figured you would. (laughs) The Supporters' Shield, which is normally rewarded each year to the MLS team with the highest regular season points, won't be awarded in 2020 due to the pandemic. That's kind of weird that they would change that up, though. Like, I don't see really the purpose of that. I mean, if it's done based off points, why would you not? Yeah, the season is still happening. Yeah, exactly. The only thing I can think of is because games are getting pushed back or canceled or whatever due to COVID. So you're not having everyone play the same number of games. But then you could do weighted and unweighted and for and against and all this other crap. Right. Yeah, uh, there's more news in the soccer world, though, other than the MLS. It's it's just kind of a weird thing that they're doing there. But the Champions League matches start this week, uh, which is exciting. Group stage. So Dortmund will be in action, I believe, on Tuesday. And Bayern will be on in action on Wednesday. So the title defense begins for Bayern Munich for the Champions League. And then I was just going to wrap up with the top fives from the two major leagues, being Bundesliga and Premier League, that we follow. Not trying to go all 10. Things have started to shift a little bit back to normalcy. I'm um, telling you. Just it, give it some time. Yeah. So in the Premier League, the weird one still is that Everton is still four wins, one draw, zero losses on top of the table. That uh, is weird. Did they have any major like signings in the off quote-unquote season? Not particularly. They're just playing really well. Did they um, get new coaching staff? They hired a new goalie, and I think that might have something to do with it. Okay. But um, I think you'll have to see what the like goals against are. But Right. And then currently, it, this might change just because of the fact that goal differential-wise right now, Tottenham is up 3-0 uh, 
and they have relatively the same record as Everton. They have one loss, so they'll be technically right there in line with Everton after a win. They're leading right now 3-0, to zero, so they'll, they'll still be in second place, but goal differential-wise, they'll be right in place just because they have that loss. Yeah. And you have Liverpool in third. Uh, they've won three straight in a row now after a draw and a loss to start the season. Aston Villa is still currently 3-0-0. and uh, they, they have only played three of their five games, so they're obviously a little behind the curve on It's weird game they have count. two in hand. Yeah. Uh, Leicester City is currently in fifth place. They, you know, a lot of the big teams are still out of it. Like, really the only two teams that should be in the top five normally is Tottenham and Liverpool. You have Arsenal falling to sixth, Chelsea into seventh, Man City into ninth, Manchester United into 14th, and my Newcastle, even though you guys beat us, are currently sitting in 11th place. So, so glad we didn't do a top 10. Yeah. I, I, I was just jumping to the, the big ones. I know. Yeah. In the Bundesliga, things are really starting to level out. So we're seeing teams that belong where they belong now. Hoffenheim has fallen off their horse. They've lost their last two games. So that puts them where? In eighth place okay. from first place. That's a big drop. Yeah. Red Bull Leipzig is currently in first place with 10 points on the board with a three wins, one draw, zero losses. Bayern Munich currently is in second place with three wins, zero draws, one loss, uh, with nine points and a goal differential of nine positive. Because of that one really monster game you guys had. Well, we won four to one yesterday too. That helps. So. Yeah, but I mean... I think a lot of it has to do with that one really big game. Dortmund is in third place currently with a goal differential of six. Same amount of points as Bayern Munich with two, or sorry, with nine points, three wins, one loss. You have Frankfurt in fourth and Stuttgart in fifth. So it's starting to look somewhat normal. Most of the teams are kind of leveling out. It's just weird continuing to see Wolfsburg and Leverskin so low in the table. Leverskin and Werder Bremen too are kind of like Normally a top five team, but they're in seventh and ninth right now, so it's kind of weird. That's not too far down, though. Yeah. They're not all the way down the table by any means, so. But that's pretty much all the, the soccer news I have for the week. There, there were some signings this week. Obviously, we had uh, the domestic signing deadlines, which means just the trades and signings amongst players that were already in whatever country they were in. So that's that's a wrap on that. Yeah. Well, and now we're getting to the point where a lot of teams are in off-seasons or winding down to off-seasons. So you're going to have it where it's going to be very little news, actual news, and you're going to have more of so-and-so got signed or you're going to have trades, but then eventually the trades have to end Right. to start ramping up to the next season. That'll be all quiet on the Western front as well. Yep. And then... NFL's kicking off right now, so that's... I was looking down at my phone, I'm like, why do I have so many things? Because teams are about to start playing as we're recording. Yep, but that's all the news I think we have for you guys this week, unless Liberty has something hiding that I don't know about. I never do. You always ask, and I never do. I'm just being polite. Make sure you guys check out all the social media, which will be linked in the show notes. And we will catch you next time on the book podcast this upcoming Thursday. And bye, guys. Bye!